Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Kenny, and we're talking about Return of Condor Heroes. We're on the last five chapters of the third volume. There are four volumes in total, so we have two more episodes of five chapters each. This episode, we're covering chapters 26 through 30. Uh, a lot happens, but the bare-bones sort of description of these chapters is Yangor loses an arm. Uh, he spends his time recovering in the presence of the Divine Eagle and learns a one-arm fighting style uh, using one of the swords of, of, uh, of Master Dugu. And he, uh, he, he uh, steals the uh, uh, baby Gua Zhang again. Uh, he returns to Tuan sect finds uh, Zhao Longnu mortally wounded and the two marry before a bunch of uh, very shocked and surprised Tuanzhen Taoists. Uh, they return to ancient tomb sect, but they're once again poisoned just as they're trying to cure Zhao Longnu. And they leave ancient tomb as Tuanzhen sect is uh, being crushed by the Mongols and the whole mountain is on fire. And they return to Passionless Valley among a, a retinue of heroes, a very big retinue of heroes. And that's sort of the bare bones description. Uh, I guess uh, we can get right into chapter 26, which is Divine Eagle's Heavy Sword. Um, again, in this chapter, there's the whole battle at Chuanzhen sect with Zhao Longnu, uh, Yin Jiping, the, the Taoist who, who, who raped her, uh, um, dies, or he begins the process of dying, we should say. And the five masters come out of seclusion. Uh, Yang and Zhao Longnu reunite. And then we have a flashback. There are a lot of flashbacks like this throughout the whole book, actually. Uh, we have a flashback where Yango explains to Zhao Longnu what happened to him, or at least the audience understands what happened to him. And, uh, you know, in the flashback, he, he uh, is, you know, loses his arm after Guo Fu cuts it off, and he uh, returns to the valley where he uh, meets the Divine Eagle again. And he sort of becomes like a, a disciple of a deceased master named Dugu. Uh, he finds a cave where there's three swords, and he selects uh, a black sword with, with, uh, with, with, I think, smooth edges. I don't think it's actually sharp, but it's really, really heavy. And it's uh, supposed to be built a, uh, for like a very simplistic, uh, basic style of fighting. Uh, that Dugu says he used up until the age of 40 or something. And so then, because he's with this uh, divine eagle, uh, the eagle has uh, some residual uh, kung fu from, from the master that it, uh, that it, I guess, was the master his pet or his disciple? Is that exactly clear in this chapter, Kenny? I don't think it was sad. I think it was just some, they probably were friends, I'd say. Like, I, a companion, oh, a companion. It, yeah, yeah, it was sort of implied that um, Dugu basically secluded himself after he roamed the martial world and became undefeated. Yeah. Um, and then he sort of secluded himself on this mountain uh, and maybe found the eagle and then became friends. And Because um, it was said that, the, or at least Yang Guo's theory for why the eagle was um, sort of doing martial arts with him and was this idea of playing basically right um because dugu obviously the one must have played in a similar way with him in the past using his sword skills and uh and through these sort of actions jango was able to deduce oh go ahead go ahead yes yeah, so it was able to deduce the correct method of using the um the heavy sword yeah, and I think what it said was he used the eagle as a sparring partner, Dugu did. So I think it was 
like through that he got some of the kung fu and he was able to act as a surrogate teacher to Yangua yeah. for Dugu's style. Um, and so, you know, but then Yangua leaves the eagle to sort of tend to some of his pressing matters in the martial world. Uh, and at the end of the chapter, he goes back to Zhang where he sees, uh, he learns that Huang Rong had twins and he's about to sort of deal with uh, Guafu. And, uh, and so those are the bare bones. Uh, we should get into it. But Kenny, just so you know, you're, I, you're a little bit low on volume. I don't know if there's any... Uh, um, I can hear you fine, but it just sounds a little low. Um, okay. Um, but uh, I don't know. Uh, what, what are some of your thoughts in this chapter, and what are some of the points you'd like to talk about? I, I kind of re- I really appreciated um, the sort of exposition on on um, the sword demon Dugu. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the whole this like is the description of, of his sort of journey towards becoming a master was very sort of overbearing and arrogant <laughs> so yeah the description of how he used like a um a, a, a light sword to begin with um and yeah the, the story of his conquest and then it, it, he used a flexible sword and he accidentally killed someone and then he, he sealed that for good and and then when it comes to the heavy the heavy sword it was just like a, i get he sort of I thought it was like sort of very vivid imagery there on, on someone's like journey towards mastering the sword and ending it. Yeah, you know, just like going back to using sticks and and uh, and branches as as his weapons because his he, he is now so skillful that he no longer needs a, a weapon um, to show off his sword skills. And I, I just thought that was a, a very nice uh, sort of technical um, aspect of the martial arts in in the novel that I appreciate. No, and I like how it's sort of the, the, the level of skill is so good that like he, he doesn't even really need a sword. It's sort of like a uh, and, and you see this in Yango where there are many points in the in the story after this because he's fed a bunch of snake bladders or something and his internal energy. I think uh, uh, it's unclear exactly what causes it, but his internal energy improves tremendously, I think, because of the type of snake bladder he was given and. Uh, and so even without his arm, he's able to, the sleeve of his arm sort of can, can be used with his internal energy to achieve great things. And, and so, you know, it, and I feel like, you know, the, the, you really start to get glimpses of this profound level of power that many of these heroes are, are gaining access to, whether it's Yangu or Jin Lun is also kind of, you know, reaching these heights too. And, and it's, uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's something that really separates this genre from like a i guess a kung fu movie do you know what i mean like a like a like it it, it, this is sort of the level of martial arts that you're dealing with when you get to the the heights of a a wuxia story and um oh go ahead i'm sorry yeah because i i can't can't remember what point it was but there was um a scene where yang guo basically bends um guofu's sword into like in 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 three parts by using his sleeve (laughs) Um. Uh. Yeah, and that's just like a, a demonstration of you know how sort of profound and uh, um powerful she is in in sort of martial arts novels. It's you know an unseen force that can allow an armless man to use his sleeve to bend metal. So it's <laughs> well, yeah. And I like that they explain it because one of the things, if you watch just the movies, which are great, I like, I love the movies, you know that, but like sometimes it's, it's not always clear what the principles underlying everything are. And in the books, it'll clearly explain things. So when you see a movie where 
the person's sleeves are functioning as a weapon or they're un, they're unfurling their robe or sending threads there's this whole concept of being able to use your internal energy to turn something that's soft into something powerful and and that's very clearly explained i don't know if it's over the course of this chapter but over the course of this and upcoming chapters i believe is addressed in a little more detail than it has been and uh and and that sort of window into into oh that's why that happens in 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 the shows and in the movies is is uh is always you know i don't know i I find those bits of these stories particularly interesting um but yeah i love the oh oh, go ahead i'm sorry i was gonna say like yeah i also sort of like the little training montage shango had of like in in the in the river in the waterfall and the heavy rainfall trying to keep standing upright and knocking boulders and branches and trunks or whatever out of the the, the 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 river flow which is it's it, it's one of those things which is always very i say typical in um asian media whenever they're training like the waterfalls always like feature prominently like either as a as a, a place for people to meditate under to maintain their focus or they try to build their strength up by slashing upwards against the water and that sort of thing <laughs> well it was it was a, it was a cool scene it also gets into sort of the perseverance idea that I, I find very appealing about a story like this, especially when, you know, there are a lot of characters in this book that are crippled in various ways, Yangor just being one of them. Um, but, uh, but it's, I don't know, I, again, I don't know if we got into it uh, last podcast because I don't think it was uh, confirmed in the story and we didn't want to talk about it until it was sort of supposed to really be confirmed. But the... Uh, the whole idea of this late in the storyline cutting off your protagonist's arm um, is, I don't know, I the first time I, because the, the first time I encountered this, you know, which I think was on a TV show, uh, it was it was shocking to me. I was like, wait a second, this main character just lost his arm? Well, surely that, that divine eagle is giving him medication that's going to grow his arm back or something. Like, like clearly they're not going to just have him have no arm. And, uh, and so it, it's, it's, uh, and, and he does overcome it, but it's, it's, uh, it's an enormous setback for somebody who is reaching the levels of power that he was attaining at that point in the story. Um, and it kind of, I don't know, it kind of is like a setback that he has to work through and it develops his character. It makes him a little bit more accepting of certain things, I feel. And it ultimately maybe leads him in a more profound direction with his own martial arts, because now he, he can't, uh, he can't, you know, he, he, he can't rely on two arms like everybody else does. Now he has to, has to be really clever with his, uh, with his style. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think we have to mention as well that most of the martial arts he's learned at this point in time are sort of the softer martial arts that rely on the skill and dexterity mm-hmm. uh, both ha- both arms obviously to, to pull off um, properly like his sword play is never like strong and dominant it was like always sort of described as being flexible and uh, coming from tricky angles type of thing and I don't know his, his other sort of boxing styles is also the same thing because obviously the ancient tomb sect um, their, their martial arts were designed for women so it's more on the soft sort of pe- feminine um, side as, as they say in the novel um and e- even you know his like finger picking skills and uh and the, the bamboo flute sword play thing that um uh, the, uh, that uh, Hong Yao Shi taught, taught him were all all things that were 
skill rather than power and we're sort of seeing a transition here like he he, he chose the heavy metal sword and is using it's sort of now trying to brute force his way essentially because yeah the mantra that was described on the on the, two, on, on the sort of the same carving said that from simplicity simplicity comes power basically right um, um let me see it says uh heavy also, sword with blunt ed- edges simplicity brings superiority before I yeah. reached the age of forty, I used it to roam the entire world under heaven. He's a real. <laughs> Duger's like he's a real character. This guy, um, he's got these really shame bold never proclamations on his. Uh, uh, because yeah. it's not just that sword. There's three swords. And they all have something like this, and uh, and you know he just. Uh, so I think the first one is um is the the sharp sword and it says fierce, aggressive, and able to penetrate any obstacle with it. I competed with the heroes of the Northern Plains during my teenage years. And then he has the, the, uh, um, the, the, I think there's a sword that's missing. That's the flexible sword. And he says, uh, flexible sword of the purple rose. I used it prior to the age of 30 with it. I accidentally wounded a righteous man, a weapon of doom. I abandoned it in a valley. Um, and then we get to the, the heavy sword and then there's the wooden sword that's somewhat rotten. He says, after age 40, I no longer relied on weaponry, bushes, trees, bamboo sticks, or rocks. All could be my swords. From then on, I achieved great progress and slowly reached the realm of overcoming the sword without a sword. And it's just this, I don't know, just, I, it's, it's, it's really fun. It's fun. Yeah. And it's also, I don't know, it's a cool sort of martial arts. I'm it's so I really good. like those passages. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's kind of, it's got like a little bit of like bravado, but it's also anchored in like the fact that the guy probably was justified in, in feeling that way. Um, yeah. So and uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, we, we sort of see Yang Guo transitioning now and in, into the the power phase, and and it, and I think sort of Dugu's age forty onwards for um sort of passage might sort of, might sort of hint as well towards what Yang War's future is also gonna be like when um he no longer needs a he will no longer need a sword once his Kung Fu is profound enough. Um and I think you know the the fact that Yang War sort of found this I guess tomb um would be the best way to describe it this cave this mountain this inheritance of some of, of sorts um really sort of helped him or will help him on his path as a martial hero because without it i think he probably wouldn't go go you know go to the heights that he he, he will eventually do and become the hero that sort of renowned across the ages type of thing he would have probably been a decent martial artist yeah, what the one-armed swordsman of mild fame, rather than being the hero Yang Guo. Yeah, um, yeah, I would, I would agree. And also, I guess there is sort of the. It is interesting to wonder how much of it is Dugu transmitting this to him, and how much of it is just Yang Guo inventing. Do you, because yeah. it's, it's. Uh, well, he, he the, the, the only thing that he took from that was uh, from from what um, the, the the bit about uh, from simplicity comes superiority and he used that as well as sparring with the eagle to sort of come up with his own style it's like well basically if i stab you fast enough then it doesn't really matter what skill you use right that makes that, i mean like his thought process makes perfect sense like if you swing the sword fast enough uh there's nothing they can do about it <laughs> it's a very very efficient uh approach because I think he points out there's like a lot of eccentric movements and, you know, sort of 
elaborate stances and stuff and he and he sort of says ah maybe that's not all necessary maybe i can just sort of cut to the chase and kill the person in one swift stroke <laughs> um, you know so it's a uh you know it's 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 an it's it's sort of it's sort of like um uh you know you sometimes when you when you peel back we you sort of peel back some of the style and just you know focus on practical efficiency maybe but uh but also that just the the amount of it's clear too that he's the amount of internal energy that he's using for this style is tremendous because he's able to to use this sword in ways that are difficult to comprehend um yeah you know um but uh but yeah so at the end of the chapter he he returns to Zhang and he over he he's he's kind of still toying with the idea a little bit of revenge against uh Guo Jing and, and Huang Rong to a degree I, 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 I think it's he wants revenge against Guo Fu no now. he does he does but he's like angry at them too like he seems to be bringing them back into his this anger that's brewing towards Guo Fu over cutting off his arm um, I, I think it's okay with Guo Jing, but I don't think it's okay with Huang Rong and uh, Guo Fu because I, I think he knows that Guo Jing is like a he is a strict father and he you know he is willing to teach, but it's Huang Rong who always you know shields the daughter from any sort of lessons that would help her improve as a person kind of thing. Like well, he spoils her. Well, especially in this scene because he overhears her sort of going to the father. And this is sort of at the end of chapter. So, so why don't we do the transition to the next chapter? Because this sort of crosses the threshold into that, and I don't want to um, confuse things. But we're getting into chapter twenty-seven, fighting strength with wisdom. And this chapter, I I like a lot. This is the one where uh, uh, Huang Rong sort of uh, basically Guo Jing uh, decides that he's going to cut off Guo Fu's arm to to get some sort of justice for Yang Guo over the 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 the, the arm taking. And Huang Rong stops him and sends uh, Guo Fu away, like, and just says, like, run back to Peach Blossom Island. And she decides to go and see her off. And while she's doing that, she encounters uh, or she sees Li Mochu when she's going to buy some apples. And uh, Li Mochu has her baby. So she follows Li Mochu into the woods and they have a confrontation, which sort of turns into a, a battle. Uh, uh, Huang Rong puts the baby inside a um, uh, sort of like a formation of trees that she's, I think she wraps a bunch of cane things around the, uh, the nearby trees and makes it difficult for Li Mochu to get the baby. And as she's fighting Li Mochu, she uses the apples to abs uh, absorb Li Mochu's needles uh, and like under her, her gown and tricks Li Mochu into piercing herself on the needles. And then because she sees that Li Mochu has developed an affection for the baby, she asks her, does she want the antidote or does she want uh, uh, to save the baby instead? And uh, as she's giving the antidote to Li Mochu, Yang takes the baby. He, he returns and takes the baby and decides this is his compensation for his arm loss. And then he returns to the tomb uh, where he sees the fighting at Chongyang Palace. And then that connects us back to the events of the previous chapter so um so yeah so, so to get back to that sort of opening scene that we were talking about that that's where uh uh he you know yang Guo sort of overhears uh Guo Jing reprimanding uh Guo Fu and threatening to take off her arm and i think like you were saying like that moment is pretty clear to yang Guo that Guo Jing is a upstanding you know sort of uh it, 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 
he has no ill will towards him, but he's directing it towards Guafu and um Wong Rong. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so I know what you what did you think of this chapter? I I find it quite interesting just because you have Li Mocho um with the baby and she thinks that it's uh Xiaolong Liu and Yang Guo's child still. Um and, and she's like she's spending all of this effort to protect the baby from Huang Rong, who's the actual mother. So well, I, I thought it was a little bit of a slapstick moment there as well. well it, it, I thought it was, but I also thought it was really interesting sort of use of both characters because Huang Rong, who's always sort of scheming and intelligent, sometimes maybe to her own detriment, uh she doesn't even let on that this is her baby. She lets she lets Lee Mocho think that, you know, she has no idea whose baby this is. And she says, oh, whose baby is that? And Lee Mocho says, oh, it's very shameful. This is, you know, this is a big shame of my sect. And, she, and, I, and again, I just love these moments when, when, when Lee Mocho is so judgmental of other people. But, uh, but, but it's also, I don't know, it's interesting because we see that Lee Mocho really is developing an affection for the baby. And it seems to be bringing out a side of her character that you don't see anywhere else in the story. And, and uh, you know, Huang Rong is able to exploit that. And, again, I just love the whole thing where she puts the apples in her gown and uh, the needles hit the apples. And then Li Mochu stabs her own palm on the needles. Um, that's like a very... And that's basically a, a Huang Rong thing to do, though, yeah. isn't it? Given the, the ending of Legends of Condor Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very in keeping with her with her whole approach. There's like a plausible deniability with 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 her tactics, but she still ultimately, uh, you know, is responsible. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I, I thought I don't know. It's it's it's, it's not only a cool chapter; it's a cool start of an interesting part of the story where Li Mochio and Huang Rong develop a little bit of an understanding. They're still clearly enemies, and there are still clearly unsettled grudges that that Li Mochio is going to have to contend with but there's this period of time where she's basically traveling with Huang Rong and her retinue and I don't know it's just kind of interesting to see her in this mix of other heroes uh and and again that does get a little bit into the following chapter but but I I don't know for me that's the most entertaining part of the chapter is the the bits with Huang Rong and, and Li Mochu um and uh and also I, I do like the way that I, I don't know I like sort of the way that time is being dealt with in these chapters where we're sort of now reconnecting to the part of the story before the flashback and and it's just kind of I don't know it's it, it just seems to move in an interesting way um but I don't know, was there anything about this chapter that I I didn't bring up that you you thought worth was worth mentioning oh uh, uh, yeah I just want to point out that this is a chapter yeah, this is where um after the ba- uh, um, steals um the baby he steals the 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 red horse um the it's like a special horse the, the, the red-blooded horse or whatever it was from um guofu um and, the, and this is also where he uses his sleeve to like bend the sword into in, in three parts uh, before running off um and it's interesting because you know he Yang obviously has the chance to take revenge um, for the, for Guofu taking his arm, but he, instead of like taking it out on her, you know, he, he decided to take the baby and and just destroy her sword. Um, and I think this is also where Hong points out to Guofu that uh, if Yang Guo had wanted to kill her or take her arm, it would have been easy for him because he can look, look at how strong he is. He can yeah. break his break your sword with his sleeve. And and also, I guess something I failed to mention is in this chapter. 
when he goes back to Chongyang Palace, there's a, a big battle with, uh, you know, the Mongols and Jin Lun there. And in the course of having sort of, there's sort of like a Nigong match between him and Jin, Jin Lun, if I remember. And as it's becoming clear that Jin Lun might be uh, having some difficulty, his disciple uh, Huadu flees. <laughs> and basically, <laughs> it's like, well, I'm, you know, I'll, uh, uh, I forget what he says, but it's like the worst possible uh, I, I think it was like um, Daraba and Hordo like, oh, we'll protect the master, and then somehow Hordo pushes Daraba and going, here you go, and I'll, 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 go, I'll go look for help or whatever. <laughs> he, he just runs off. He's like, I'll run back to Tibet for help. Or I mean, it was something really, it was it was a very feeble excuse. Um, and uh, and and uh, and Daraba is, uh, uh, Yango decides to release him because Daraba is so earnest in his uh uh, his dealings, and he's he, this is another situation where he's talking to Bet and Diango, and I think he's still mistaking him for his um, uh, his 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 uh, uh, martial brother. His, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, but also uh, Jiping awakens after he's uh, stabbed himself earlier on Zhao Longnu's sword, and uh, Zhao Longnu speaks openly of her uh, uh, of her rape, and uh. Yin Jiping throws himself on the swords. I think of I don't remember if it was the 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 seven masters, but at least seven. There's seven Taoists in formation, and he I think he spears himself on their swords. Um, is it on the Taoist swords or was it on the Mongol? I thought it was swords? a Taoist, but I could be mistaken. I I, okay. I thought it was the Taoists. Um, so he meet and and there's sort of this uh, you know interesting thing Zhao Longnu's been having where she sort of is, on the one hand is feeling. Uh, merciful toward Ping, and then sort of you know it seems to be alternating uh back and forth um but in the final moments he ends up taking his own life and so there's a, a sort of justice is achieved there and uh and following this we get into chapter 28 um which is wedding festivities and in this chapter uh yanguo and Zhao Longnu are married in front of um uh, a picture of the founder of Tuanten sect and they go back to ancient tomb where they get their uh, wedding attire and they find some love letters um, uh, from the founder of Tuanzen sect to the founder of ancient tomb sect. Uh, Zhao Longnu is dying from an injury sustained during the uh, during the battle at Tuanzen. And uh, they learn that, uh, you know, over the course of a conversation that Uyung Fung was the one who killed her master and that uh, um, that they might, and he gets the idea of using Uyung Fung's uh, pressure point reversal along with the chilled jade bed to help heal Zha, uh, Zhao Longnu, and you know they begin to do that, and that, and that's around the time when I think uh, Huang Rong and uh, uh, Li Mochu uh, sort of set out to look for um, uh, look for Gua Zhang. Um, and I think they do it by following the trail of the uh, of the red horse that Yangua was taking. Um, and there's a, a lot more that happens in this chapter too. Uh, but uh, uh, it's 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 a pretty I think it's a pretty meaty chapter. But I think the I think the crucial thing is the marriage, and then the uh, the fact that um, uh, they uh, uh, let me see is this the one where they get poisoned? Um, did they get poisoned in this chapter, or was it the chapter after that? Uh, uh, Yang Guo and Xiao Longnu get poisoned. I, 
I, I can't remember what po- poison um, that Charles Newt had in her first because that's the poison they were trying to cure using the um, the jade. The, well, she gets the, two poison. She gets, a, she gets poisoned from um, the palm that Lee Mochu uses, and then she gets poisoned from the um, the needles that Guafu throws into the to the. Coffee. Ah, yes. Okay. So, the, so yeah, the. the um, Limochou's palm strike only happens after um, Limochou leads the um, the other martial heroes to the ancient tomb sect. So yeah. that yeah, that, and that yeah. is in this chapter. So that's also important. So so yeah, so when when um, so on their way, they they met up with a bunch of other heroes uh, who were trying. So I think they meet up with like Wu Dunru and his brother, and Wu Santong, and uh, Ye Lu Chi, and uh, Wan Yan Ping. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, and they all sort of end up traveling together to ancient tomb. And Li Mochu uh, is going to lead them inside the tomb, but Huang Rong stays outside because of her recent birth. And Li Mochu realizes that she can just pick these people off on her way in, so she's going to sort of lead them in to their dooms. And she ends up, I think, setting off like a, a stone slab that traps them. And then she goes off to sort of confront Zhao Longnu and Yang Guo herself. And she catches them at sort of a crucial moment and disrupts the healing process. And uh, I think they, I think it's something weird. Where, like they actually complete the healing process, but then it gets reversed because of uh, Li Mochu's palm. And then it gets really super duper reversed because of uh, uh, a sequence of things that happens, beginning with uh, there's a fight over the uh, Li Mochu wanting the manual. So Yang Guo traps her in a stone coffin and then when the other heroes escape and start walking towards the chamber out of caution yang Guo and zhao longnu hide in a coffin themselves and the group mistakes them for li mochu and so guafu walks right up and throws two needles into the coffin and hits both yang Guo and and uh and zhao longnu and and so it's sort of this... and i still want to point out that yang Guo technically knows how to cure all of li mochu's poisons I think so. I think the issue with um, with Xiao Long Nu is because of the extent of her injuries. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's like I think there's something like they're dealing with. She has some kind of weird meridian blockage, if I remember, that they're trying to deal with. And then on top of that, the 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 way that she was hit with the palm during the curing process made it worse. And then the timing. It was one of these things where I think it's sort of like there's a very elaborate explanation for why. No matter what they do, she's going to die in a certain number of days. And I think there's a little bit of sort of the, you know, the, the, the writer wants it to be this way. So that's how it's going to be. Yeah, the plot <laughs> yeah they, but it's just funny because, yeah, they made such a big deal out of um, Nemo Show's poison manual at the beginning of the story. And now, now that it's possibly relevant, it's no longer mentioned well, again. That's true. That's that's true. That's true. I, I, I think, I don't know. I, I wonder... We'll have to keep our eyes and see if it pops up again. But you mentioned that before, yeah. and I think you might be right on that one. I think that they, uh, it does seem like it's been forgotten. Um, but the thing is, like, you know, um, Jin Yong has gone back and revised it several times. Like, surely you would have noticed the whole thing about the, the poison manual. Well, this, I think we're on the second revision, and so maybe yeah. the third revision deals with that very issue. Who knows? But, but I do feel like there's also a little bit of, well, this is a super lethal venom that can be dealt with by this antidote but if it happens on a tuesday between noon and three then <laughs> then nope there's nothing you can do so it's it's that kind of uh 
you know, which I don't know. It's one of the things I kind of like about the genre because you'll get these moments where characters will say, ah, he's been affected by this. But, you know, the, today is, 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 is such and such a day. So, so therefore, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of wiggle room is what it boils down to. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, but again, this the thing I think the thing that's very striking here is sort of uh, Guofu's just terrible, terrible personality. Uh, her yeah. her uh, I, I gotta say, also important, what's important for me this chapter is that the fact that Wu brothers each found someone who's better looking than Guofu, I believe, and with a much better personality. So um, it was the um Wang Yan Ping and um Yan Yan, right? Yeah, yeah, no. I believe that's correct. Um yeah. the, I yeah. don't remember which which brother's chasing which uh and then, which one. And <laughs> Guofu even she pairs up with uh uh Yellow Chi. Um which I thought was good cuz he's kind of like a proto not a proto, but he's like a he's sort of in the image of Guajing, you know, he sort of when he when he, when he first shows up to uh uh to the the last chapter he he rescues or maybe it's the next chapter actually i think it is the next chapter so i'll i'll zip it for right now um but uh but I, I, I don't think i don't think gofu deserves yelichi yelichi's been a bro oh. the whole time like we sort of um <laughs> known of him oh wait no it is this chapter it is this chapter yeah yeah um yeah because what happened was they uh she found them all fighting with with Gong Soon Ji, the the former master of Passionless Valley, and he's up to sort of his old antics. And he just, I don't know, he just really likes kidnapping pretty young women. I think so. He he ends up he ends up grabbing Guo Jing and and Wan Yan Ping and threatening to squeeze them to death. And I think that's the moment when um when Yellow Chi arrives and fires his arrows and. And Huang Rong first mistakes him for Goa Jing, and then realizes, oh no, it's the 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 archery is not good enough to be Goa yeah. Jing, because um, it was a Mongolian style of firing, apparently. Yeah. Well, that's where Goa Jing got it. Was um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, but his but his is just spectacular. He's like he uh, you know he he's able to sort of kill two two hawks with a single with a single arrow. Uh, two eagles. Two eagles. Oh, sorry. Two eagles. <laughs> um, and uh and yeah so uh but everybody's getting paired up and uh i just don't think gofu deserves to have her own romance after stringing along the blue brothers for so long and just yeah i i i just think it's really good that the um because i think i mentioned this last time as well i just didn't couldn't understand why the woo brothers were so obsessed with gofu and it's actually explained very well here because you know she was the only girl on the island of a young age and she was pretty decent looking um they obviously like, the we brothers like as i mentioned before like the people in this time seem a very low eq yeah. <laughs> just and it makes sense because they were trapped on an island with nobody else around except old people yeah. and one young woman who was decent looking <laughs> yeah no it made perfect sense when they explained it i thought i thought that was a perfect description and because uh, you do yeah. have that thought you're like why are they so stuck on her but then you realize yeah that's like their only uh, their only exposure to like a viable mate is is her uh and there's like nobody else on the island so um you know just to you know like you said like you know like some eccentric people uh that you you know uh uh you know what is it like the um uh flying bat and uh uh when huang yaoshi decides to show up maybe and other than that you you have uh, uh gua jing or huang rong to deal with and oh um can you can you hear me okay 
Yeah, you're just freaking up a little bit on my end. I don't know if it's uh, okay. If it's okay in your end, then that's fine. But just... I think it's okay on my end, but uh, okay. hopefully we uh, hopefully uh, it doesn't sound too bad. Um, how's it sounding right now? Um, it's fine because you're, you're recording on your end. If it's blocking on my end, that's perfectly no issue there. Okay. So. All right. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I forget where we were. Oh yeah, but I, I would agree with you. She is, uh, she is just an. Uh, uh, I don't know, just a a nasty person, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and you know what? I, uh, I I should say we're actually I I made a mistake. We are talking about chapter twenty eight and twenty nine at the same time because I kind of skipped over. Uh, it's it's not a big deal because we're covering the same ground, but we're technically deep into chapter twenty nine, ultimate disasters. Um, but uh. But I would agree with you that she is, I don't know, just, just like she cut off his arm and it's like, well, I said, sorry, what do you want? She's like the ultimate, like, like you can sort of picture her as like, you know, she's a very, like a very modern brat is how I would describe her. Like, the, like just a very sort of, uh, very deliberately done, obviously, but you're, you're not yeah. meant to, to enjoy her as a character, but uh, just her inability to understand any of her own failings is, is staggering. Um, and then the fact that she does it again, she, 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 she ruins, she ruins Shangor's life by cutting off his arm. And then she ruins it more by poisoning him and his new bride. So that the new bride is definitely going to die in the next three days. And then she's like, well, what do you want? You know, like, I thought you were Lee Mocho. Like, like she's, she, she has no sense of, of the consequences of her own actions. Um, and, and she, and she, and I, 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 I can, you can pin that wholly on Huang Rong as well I think it's because she sheltered her so much from everything despite the fact that Huang Rong as a, as, as, as a teen or young as, as, as a youngster was pretty rebellious she ran away from home to play as a beggar right and that's how she met Guo Jing ultimately you know, by roaming the world and relying on her own wits to stay out of trouble and stuff and where was that when it came to uh, Guo Fu? <laughs> well, I think one. Of the, I, I think one of the lessons, not one of the lessons, but one of the points in this book is that parenting is actually sort of important to how the characters develop. And so, yeah. you know, under different circumstances, Guo Fu might have ended up a very different character. And I think the same would be said for Huang Rong. At certain points, you wonder: is are we getting glimpses of what could have happened to Huang Rong via Li Mochu? Because I think they're roughly the same age, um, and there's a couple of points where I think they're mistaken for each other. I know at least at one point, Guafu mistakes Li Mocho for her mother. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, sometimes I kind of wonder, well, maybe what would have happened if Guo Jing had, uh, had, 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 uh, married the Mongolian princess, you know, would, would, would Hrong Rong have become sort of like a great evil, like Li Mocho. Uh, and, uh, you know, because their backstories, in a way, there's sort of a similarity there. Um, but uh, and I, th I think Horror would be a much more competent villain. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know she knows all these little tricks, and she you know, she understands formations and Taoist magic, or what do they say? Like <laughs> they're sort of like mystic formations where you put part of rocks, and then suddenly you can mislead anyone in the middle. <laughs> And and yeah, she knows Kung Fu from Peach Blossom Island. She's the leader of the beggar sect. Like she could cause so much trouble with with her um, influence and in that in that way. 
No, she would make a tremendous villain. She would be a very formidable uh, evil character in a story like this. Um, but yeah, and, and so by the end of this chapter, I, I think one of my big takeaways is there's there's two points where Guafu mistakes people. Uh, the first one is where she thinks Yangoa is Limochu. And the next one is she mistakes Limochu for her long wrong. And I think the point of that is she's not able to sort of see the difference between good and evil. Uh, I, you know, I feel like it's a little bit too heavy-handed for it to not be something like that. Um, especially with all the stuff that she's doing, all the sort of mistakes that she's making. Um, I, I, I guess, uh, to me, it's not so much like a differentiation between like good and evil, so much as she doesn't think for herself. Mm really um yeah she sees well i mean she makes lots of assumptions and she and 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 she sort of like yango as well is stubborn in the way that she wants she wants she's sort of identified the path like she will go for it like oh she thinks that's my mom that's definitely my mom who else could it be i mean otherwise i wouldn't have thought it was my mom right yep, yeah hi mom no oh wait no you're not my mom <laughs> there's there's no self-reflection at all with her she's very no. i don't know she just does not uh she's just acting like people should be thankful that she hasn't killed them already in a way she's like she's like a hair yeah. away from being a limochu if if you pushed her in the right direction you know um but but by the end of the chapter yangua still ends up saving her because she ends up mistaking limochu for her for her mother and limochu freezes her acupoint and i think she's about to be burned to death or something by the fire and yangua yeah. smacks her into a river uh and uh, at the at the only instru- only after Shaolin Lu, yeah, only after Shaolin Lu asked it to. Well, again, this is I think something that heroes kind of do in these stories. The uh, you know Guo Jing sort of listened to what Huang Rong told him to do at times like that, and I think Yang Guo is sort of similar, where he kind of listens to Xiaolong Nu. Um, and it, it's interesting. There's there are a number of points in in these chapters where she gives she tells him to do things you know like when the when he when they when when he first reconnects with her at Zen sect and there's that battle she says like you know tell them to go away and then you know the same thing when they're in the tomb she's like tell these people to go away Yangoa, so that we can just be together and uh um it's funny because um i, I think shaolong lu herself points out at some point that uh after they got married yang Guo was more assertive of her like telling her to do things rather mm-hmm. than just purely listening so you know despite the fact that shaolong lu is still sort of commanding yang Guo around like yang Guo is also reciprocating it by telling her what to do and she's also listening as well so no that's uh, true and i think he's i think he's maturing too i think he's yeah. maturing i think the marriage is sort of part of the maturing process for him um but uh but yeah, I don't know. I just uh, and also, you know, it's it's uh, well, we can get into this later. I, at some point, remind me. I want to talk about Zhu Batong and Zhao Longnu. I think there's some interesting points of comparison there. But um, but the next chapter is the last chapter because we sort of combine 28 and 29 into one discussion. Um, and that's strange encounters. And this is uh, I don't know. This is a pretty cool chapter. They end up uh, at the end of the last chapter. They uh, Zhao Longnu and Yang Guo leave ancient tomb sect and they. Uh, they find a uh, cabin in the woods, basically. And at the cabin, they uh, have an encounter with uh, two beggars and then two monks. And one of the monks turns out to be uh, the former chief of Iron Palm Sect, now Monk Chien. And the other monk is Reverend Yidang, the um, Emperor Duan character. And uh, we also see Elder Peng here, another sort of old 
uh, scheming character. He's one of the two beggars that they first meet. And Elder Peng uh, convinces uh, Monk Chien to unintentionally kill somebody who's buried under the snow and you know the 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 backstory here being that Chien has been spending the past several years repenting for all of his serious sins we're going to talk about some of his sins in the next podcast that we're about to do um but he's he's a really terrible person that's trying to become a good buddhist and elder peng is trying to undermine him with his little hypnosis technique i think it's his soul absorbing uh technique that he uses and uh um I'm trying to remember what happened after that. So then, oh, then uh, there's a there's a a struggle over Chien's soul, basically. That's sort of this this extended sequence where he is, um, uh, you know, he sort of fight. He he kills this guy, and then he kills Elder Pang, and then he's like, "I've killed people. I might as well just go all the way and keep killing." And he's about to kill. They now call them the the Yang Long couple. And he's about to kill them, and Reverend Yidang tries to intercede, and eventually they they bring him down. He calms down, and Yidang explains that uh, he is coming because he received a message uh, from uh, I think from his uh, from scholar, right? From the scholar character, his his old disciple. Um, uh, yeah, no, it wasn't a scholar. It was oh, was it a scholar or was it the Indian? Uh, I think it was both of them. I think it was the Indian and the the scholar. I could be wrong, but but he received a message from his disciples and is going to Passionless Valley. And he gives Zhao Longnu an egg with a pill in it, like a porcelain egg, and the pill will stave off the effects of what's ailing her for the next seven days. So she's got at least seven days now. And along the way, they uh, bump into Zhu Batong, and they have this lightness kung fu competition. uh, And then they uh, reach... Passionless Valley, where they find two groups of women fighting. There's uh, Li Mochu and Hong Lingbo fighting uh, Cheng Ying and Lu Wushuang, and they're stuck amid uh, uh, a bunch of uh, uh, passionless flower thickets. And and uh, Li Mochu ends up uh, killing Hong Lingbo, her disciple, in order to get out of the thickets, and then gets poisoned herself. And they chase uh, Li Mochu. Uh, she gets away for a time, and uh, and then they uh, they they everybody you know the whole big retinue sort of uh, uh, goes and has a uh, an audience with uh, 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 Chi Chan Chi the uh, the the really despicable old lady with the uh, uh, date seeds spitting. spitting. Yeah. And now she's got the iron date seeds. It's, oh, she's yeah. got, so she's, yep, she's had them fashioned version. from bits of iron now. Um, and there's a reunion between her and her brother, and ultimately she says she's not going to give uh, uh, Yango the antidote because she's only reserving it for her uh, son-in-law. And uh, Lu uh, uh, decides to pretend to be angry at Yango, spits a seed at him. The seed contains a message that says she has the ant- she's going to get him the antidote, and she knows where his companions are, and they're in the fire kiln room, and. Again, there's a lot of stuff that I'm glossing over, but that's sort of the the general uh, uh, arc of the chapter. Um, so I don't know what did, what did you think of the last chapter? I thought it was pretty interesting. I, by that by this point, then um, Yang Guo will have met all of the greats, right? Of um, well, the four greats, other than 
uh, five grades, but other than Wang Chunyuan, right? So, um, but Double Tong is supposed to take the part of Wang Chunyuan, right, for the five grades. Um, I have to look it up. I can't remember off the top. Of yeah. Um, but, but yeah, but, but from this chapter on, like he's met all, all of the legends of the of yesteryear, uh, and, uh, and and even um, Tien or um, Chiu, um, I can't remember his name, Chiu, uh, Chiu Chanqi, yeah, oh, no, that's, that's not the one. Uh, Chiu Chanqi is the that's uh, the old lady. One. She's the um... yeah. I can't remember what. Who are you thinking of? Um, Tien's um, name before he t- oh, came Chi Oh, Chi Ren, I think. Oh, Chiu Chan Ren. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of like, he, he's also a legend in his own right at, 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 back in the day as well. So like, all of these new people have now sort of met with Yang Guo and they're all having their own different interactions with him, which I find that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sort of yeah, it, it, it's interesting because I only know of um, Chiu Chamren from yeah from the from the, mo- from the basically from the movies we watch and from snippets of um, series I've seen and stuff like he he's not a, a, a good person and seeing him going through this sort of redemption arc is a, um, a little bit strange for me but I find it quite compelling just because the whole uh, Yidang is using his own body as as, as a sort of uh, a, a way to temper um, Tien and get rid of his inner demons I'm not by not retaliating when when Tien is sort of fighting him, um, and hoping to sort of cleanse him of his uh, um, inner demons by yeah, using his own life as the price there, it sort of really shows uh, how um, Yidong is sort of quite saintly as far as characters go, to be honest. Yeah, and he, he definitely is. I mean, I, I, uh, it's uh, and I love how grueling the process is. It's not just sort of like, a, oh, you know, he 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 has this quick sort of path where he he he's you know, he sees the errors of his ways or he see, you know, because there's a moment where where he sort of he realizes because Yangor is defeating him, how terrible it is to be beaten by somebody. And it's sort of it. I think he starts getting a sense of empathy. But even then, it's still kind of temporary. It's not a permanent trend. It's going to, you know, it's it, and it kind of to me, it kind of harkens back to Monkey King, like the. Um, like that style of sort of, you know, it, it's going to take a while to sort of bring you, bring you full circle here. Um, and, uh, and, and again, like you said, he's a terrible, terrible person. I mean, he's done, you know, this is a guy who is, who has killed a baby in cold blood with his iron palm technique. He's just a, um, technically you could say he wasn't the one to kill the baby, right? Okay, well, okay. <laughs> he, 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 I, okay. Let's just say this. He iron palm technique, the baby in its crib. I think you know, whether the baby died or not and whether it was his fault, that's almost a separate issue. Um, yeah. but, but the, the, you know, the level, any, 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 and he was, uh, you know, scheming with the gin and doing all kinds of terrible things. And, um, and so he's just not a good guy. And, uh, but now he's sort of having, you know, he's having sort of a second, uh, uh, ch- chance here at, uh, at becoming a, a better person. And it's interesting too, because his sect used to be a good sect before, you know, it got corrupted under, I think under his management. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so it's kind of, uh, it's kind of appropriate, uh. And, uh, it's funny as well because there's like a parallel between him and Nemo Cho a little bit. I feel just in terms of the way the, the sort of atrocities they committed. Like Nemo Cho has definitely killed babies and the mother too. While we're at it, yeah, that's true. That's true. She has. 
and uh, yeah, yeah, she's done her more than her fair share of like bad things. So, for it, assuming we don't know anything about how the story's going to end, like it, it, we sort of get a get a, 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 a spark that might imply that she also might have a redemption arc at some point. She might become a nun or whatever. You know, it, it's a possible it's a possibility for her. Like if Ch- if Chil Chamberlain can do it, then. Uh, um, Evil show surely should be allowed to also have her own redemption arc type of thing. <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, I think with Lee Mochu, I don't know I have mixed feelings about where she goes with her story. Um, but uh, but I, we we won't get into that until uh, until we get there. But but yeah, I think I think at this point in the story, you 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 could sort of wonder that because you you would I in fact I think uh, when I first encountered it in a in a television series, at this stage. I was very much rooting for Lee Mochu to become like at least one of the group. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, obviously, by the time she kills Hong Lingbo, things start falling apart pretty rapidly there. But, uh, <laughs> but, but up until that point, even up through her fight in Ancient Tomb Sect, you still sort of feel like maybe there's like a chance she could, she could come back and 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 uh, and and then when you and then when you you know like you said when you when you see uh, Chien, you think oh well if he can do it then maybe she can do it. Um, but I think, I think that message is really more for Yangua than anybody else. Um, I think that, uh, that, that he is the one who is sort of, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. He's kind of synthesizing all of these lessons and becoming his own thing in an interesting way. But, uh, but it's interesting to watch him sort of reconcile all this stuff. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. I, I think, uh. Uh, you know, what, what do you think so far? What do you think of the third book in general or where we are? Uh, you know, any, any additional thoughts before we, uh, we head out and get ready for the, the other podcast? Um, no, it's like, it feels like every time we have a podcast, I always say this, but you know, these are very, five very eventful chapters, but yeah. I mean, every chapter seems to be eventful. It has that, like, it's obviously impossible for us to cover every point. There's lots of little subtleties that um, you can only really get by reading it. Uh, and yeah, and even then, because it's a translation, sometimes it's probably, you know, we're, we're probably still missing a little piece of the puzzle sometimes. Like, I feel like um, the passages that Dooku inscribed on, on, on the rocks would probably have been a lot more uh, majestic and even more imposing sounding than it would have been in in the English translation. Yeah. And um, well, the other thing that gets lost in translation is: um, Am I supposed to? Be, is this supposed to be funny, or is this not supposed to be funny? And sometimes you don't know what the tone is supposed to be for something. And and so I find that my response to that is to be very cautious and like say, okay, I shouldn't assume that this is meant to be silly. Maybe the translation was just sort of funky, and so. Yeah. That's something that happens. Like the, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's like, like the scene with um, Huang Rong and Nemo Chow fighting over the baby. I thought it was a bit funny, and but I was like, oh, this is. I'm not really sure because Huang Rong is, you know, fainting these lethal attacks at her baby to try and you know force Nemo Chow to protect her. <laughs> yeah, because I guess you could kind of. You could almost shade that in different lights depending on like you could see it as sort of this funny slapstick thing going on or this really dire situation where this mother is is forced to throw lethal jabs towards her child in order to get her back uh i don't know i i I tend to read those scenes in a little bit more of a lighter uh shade just because overall um i feel like it's i feel like we're getting like a lot of playful banter 
in 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 the course of it and i feel like it's um there are some things that kind of feel a little bit slapstick um but again it's hard to tell because like you said it's a translation and uh you know i don't i don't necessarily know so i I usually defer to people that have access to the original content if uh if uh if you know if they want to weigh in but yeah, but um, and one last thing I did want to bring up as well was uh, we talked a lot about how Yang Guo's kung fu improved after he sort of obtained the inheritance of Dugu, um, but Shadow Liu's uh, martial arts have also improved a tremendous amount ever since she learnt the uh, left and right hand boxing from yeah. uh, from Double Tong. Um, like she held her own against um, the whole the whole Mongolian horde as well as the 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 elders from the Transensec for a brief while. You know, she did get injured in the end, obviously, well, because in, internally she was weak. But and and they went into seclusion specifically to deal with her and Yangua's techniques. And they come out and they're like, oh, like there's you know, she's improved. You know, it was totally useless for us to go into seclusion. And and it is a it's a very funny moment because it's this big dramatic thing. They've been in seclusion and it's like this. You you know, you know that they're in seclusion. They've been there and doing it's It's been sort of building in the background. And, and they're like, oh, we have a new formation we yeah. can use to defeat their, sort, their, their, their uh, conjoined sword play. <laughs> and then she can use it by herself, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's very funny. Well, we, I think next episode I'd like to talk about Zhu Batong and uh, Zhao Longnu. Because I feel like there's some, there some parallels of personality Uh in terms of, I don't know what you call it, innocence or just a lack of awareness of social things that they, you know, like they, they both seem to be missing some of these, uh, uh, you know, like, like Zhao Longnu has been living in a tomb her whole life. So she just has not experienced, uh, you know, normal life. And Zhu Batong is like in his own planet, so he's a different, like, Zhu Batong, I, I, I sincerely think that he is an example of someone with autism in, hmm. in like, pro, like this is like full on, on, on like on, on the far end of the spectrum type of autism. Hmm. Um, and based on like what, what I've seen from brave archer as well, he definitely seems like, um, like that, like he, he, he has some degree of autism there. And I, I think Shaolin is slightly different. Uh, Shaolin was raised in the tomb. So she, it, it makes more sense for her to not be able to interact with people properly until she can learn. So like, there's, there's still the opportunity for her to learn yeah, and yeah. possibly change. But with Zobotum, I don't think it's that, that's, that, that possibility no, he, is never even. No, he's not going to change. He's sort of, uh, that's sort of him. And yeah. I think that's just his personality. Um, but I think that, but I think what I find interesting is they both have sort of, the, it, it produces a similar uh, flaw for both of them when they're dealing with the martial world. Uh, and Zhao Longnu can probably get away with it a little bit more because she's a little more graceful than Jubatong and, um, and, you know, and, 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 a, and a great beauty and Jubatong's an yeah, old man. Oh, that always helps. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> an um, old man, he likes to take his pants off and be like, I have yeah, eyes. <laughs> yeah. I'm pure as the day I was born. And, uh, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I guess I guess it's uh, yeah. It's a, the, 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 even when they, it, it, they they have they have different they have different strengths that they can draw on. But 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 again, I, I think it's still sort of I, th- I think it's interesting because they do sort of end up kind of connecting. Do you know what I mean? They do have sort of like a uh, a connection uh, that I think makes sense because of you know they, they they sort of both kind of approach the world in similar ways. Um, and so, though she's obviously much more serious than he is, like he is just off the wall, you know, prankster, you know, funny man. And, and I don't think Zhao Longnu has ever even told a joke or understood a joke. 
in her entire life. Um, yeah. And so I don't think she would understand the point of a joke. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it is interesting to see her getting more emotion as that you know she's still sort of her whole training is based around you know sort of suppressing emotion, but she's getting you know she is having more uh, regular normal human emotions now that she's uh, you know. Uh, fallen in love with Yango and she's had exposure to the world and seen some of its sufferings. Um, and but, stuck with herself as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, but we're going to unfortunately have to end it here because uh, we have another podcast that we need to do and uh, we need to have time to recover and, and get ready before it. So uh, we'll be back on next week with the uh, next five chapters. We just got two more uh, weeks, two more episodes of, of Return of Condor Heroes. Uh, definitely, I think both of us would encourage people to go and check out. You, know, you can go to places online and find uh, various fan translations. We're using the one by Noodles. Uh, it's a really good story. You don't, you know, you could start at Legend of Condor Heroes if you want. Um, there's a new translation of that uh, available officially in print, the first book at least. And there are, uh, the other books are available in fan translation. Uh, the whole trilogy, including uh, Heaven Sword, Dragon Saber, is uh, very entertaining. And I, I think, I don't know, I, I feel like this is a really good overview if somebody kind of wants to know really what the genre is about and maybe has just seen the movies. This would be a good entry point. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know, any, any additional thoughts, Kenny, before we head out? Yeah, I'm good for that. All right, so we will, we will see you next week, and we will be up in a few minutes with um, Brave Archer 3. Yeah.